And hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney, over there's Steve. Everything is on the one. Yeah. And today we are continuing our look at Cyberfunk, an anthology of uh, Afrocentric science fiction cyberpunk edited by Milton Davis, published by MV Media. Click the link in the description to get yourself a copy of this mighty fine anthology. That's right. I would like to make a correction from last week. Sure. Uh, just to say that I, I lied to y'all. I said, well, at the time it wasn't a lie, but then it became a lie. So I said I would not buy a book by Zigzag Claiborne. But after talking to Milton a little bit, who um, told, who basically told us that his novels are better than his short stories, um, I went out and bought Afro Puffs Are the Antenna of the Universe. I've not read it because I've been diligently reading Cyberfunk, but um, I will. So there. There you go. Old dogs, new tricks, all that shit. Yeah, I, I got a letter from Zigzag saying, uh, thanks for the money, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you got a letter from Zigzag via Apple. <laughs> no, it was it was via... I'm not going to continue. Because I got a letter from Apple saying, thank you for your purchase. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> At least, at least they were kind enough to say thank you. Apple always says thank you, all the way to the bank. Yep. All right. So, uh, yeah. All all jokes aside, all corrections aside, let's uh, let's just jump right into the reason why you might be actually listening. Us talking about the stories themselves. Great. And this is a the second half of the book. Um, if you're tuning in late. Go back to Cyberfunk Part 1 to get the first 10 stories. We're talking about the last nine in this particular episode. And uh, golf game. The back nine. We're on the back nine. I will be talking about the back nine. It's a breezy day here at Studios. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That one's in the rough. How will Rodney play this? By talking about The Daisy Chain by Hannibal Taboo. Um, also, we could, I mean, every one of these stories is a winner, okay? But this story, The Daisy Chain, is Fetch Quest the short story. Um, yeah, I think, well, I mean, it kind of says it in the name, mm-hmm. The Daisy Chain. Um, this story it was interesting, but I think it was more of an introduction to mm-hmm. something than uh, a complete story. Um, it, it, I mean, it, it's not that it leaves you wanting more. Uh, you really need more because it really it, it ends. Yeah, it's uh, uh, it's uh, in media res for sure. Yeah, I mean, it sets everything up really nicely for a longer uh, story, mm. like a novella or a novel or something. And I'm wondering if that's um, what is going to be happening. There's actually a couple of stories in the in this last half that that do this, mm. and um, it, it it 
it's it's almost like a slap in the face because you're reading it, you're reading it, you're reading it, and then like there's this cliff mm-hmm. and there's a waterfall going over the cliff, and that's the only way down. Right. Right. But you can't see the lake at the bottom. Now I, I will say I will say this is that there there is a bit of a somewhat of a parallel that I drew between this particular piece and one of my favorite uh, Philip Dick stories, and that's Paycheck. Um, just the the complicated chain of events and series of random items to get other random items to right. accomplish a goal. And I, it's a right. great premise of a story, and I think you could probably make a really decent novella length out of it. Right, but in Paycheck, there's a payoff. Right. And unfortunately, that doesn't happen here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the 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 titular Daisy Chain is the story, mm-hmm. um, but really, it it marks just the the end of that Daisy Chain is the beginning of like a bigger thing. Right. Right. Exactly. It's uh, it's the it's the uh, the couple of little adventures before you get to the main heist right well in a way and and that's fine i don't need to really necessarily see the main heist on this um because really you know it's it's a heist it probably turns out but the setup is is interesting and i i even even then we kind of come into the middle of of the setup where you know all the things that you need are accomplished by these like ra- seemingly random requests, and well, I I like that premise. Um, and I wish we would have just seen the entirety of the Daisy Chain up, you know, from well, here's the mission. This is what we need from first item to the end of the the what story we got in the book. Right. To, to me, this is like the opening scene. In uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's good. It's got everything you can you want in the story, except it doesn't end. Mm. Um, you know, and like with Raiders, you had a, the rest of the movie to watch to find out, you know, about the conflict between Jones and Belloc and all that crap. Mm-hmm. Um, but here it just kind of ends, and and I really wanted to to find out more about uh ja and and what she was up to so i i will say i will say that this particular story right i will say that this particular story had a really interesting use of technology and that everything was super familiar it's just like what we have now amplified just a little bit you Mm -hmm. know no no high-tech wetware or anything like that it's all it's it's a smartphone uh, electric vehicles, ride sharing, these drones, these sort of things that we're all familiar with, just uh, dialed, dialed up, and you know, put uh, fifteen minutes into the future, which is right. one of my favorite uh, time periods. Which leads us into uh, Talismaner by K. Series Wright. Uh, right, the first of a small block of. Uh, fantasy-infused stories. Right, and this is also another one that just kind of is an intro to something bigger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of of world-building was gotten out of the way, a lot of character uh, introduction, 
development, but it became this kind of, uh, you know, ends on an ellipsis type of thing, you know. Well, yeah, even more so because instead of a um, a, a caper, you know there's going to be a heist or a caper or something. In this one, there's like a huge conflict mm-hmm. that it ends up on. Um, you know, so it, it builds to um, what you would normally have as a conflict in the, in the story as opposed to um, having a conflict in the story. Mm-hmm. So it, it's almost, it's an origin story for a character that's going to go on to um, write that which is wrong. Right, right. So it it, it kind of tackles the question of great power and great responsibility and we don't get to necessarily see the character's answer to to that internal question. Right. Uh, so it, it was unfortunate because uh, just reading it, I was like, really getting into it mm-hmm. and I, I really like the concept of um of uh you know manipulating genetics and and using um cybernetic implants to mimic superpowers mm-hmm. um and you know the just the inner turmoil of of the main character and wanting to to do right by her family mm-hmm. and then it just ended right and the fusion right, right of, when it was getting good <laughs> the the fusion of uh technology and spirituality as well is is heavy into this book uh yeah i mean yeah they talk about cultural appropriation mm-hmm. um and just a, a bunch of of topics yep you yep. know and, and and who knows i mean uh there i know you don't you haven't read it, but there's like even like a little bit of the shades of the ending of the Dark Tower series in there mm-hmm. of how special special um, children are, are being used to uh, for nefarious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it just like it didn't get into the like the meat of that, unfortunately. Yeah, it was more like a like a teaser. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's like an introduction. This is like the you know you know at the with this part you don't even have numbered pages with this. And this is all um, you know lowercase Roman numeral land. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the prologue. The prologue. Uh, next up on the list is Siege at Ilan Morrow by Napoleon Wells, and this is you know we mentioned Balagonojitade's story last time as being kind of Final Fantasy like. Uh, this one definitely has that kind of Final Fantasy vibe to it. Um, there's definitely a lot of supernatural elements going on uh, above human. We're you know we're talking about technologies and, and ideas like pocket dimensions and stuff like that. And yeah, the the cyber of it was kind of uh, Kind of, kind of have given a little bit more of a loose interpretation where the main character is cybernetic, uh, but definitely functions in a in a more spiritual capacity. Kind of reminded me of the Fourth World. Jack Kirby. Yeah, yeah, it does have a lot of Jack Kirby kind of elements to it as well, where where yeah, like you, uh, you new like gods a, and stuff like that. Right, you, you had um, beings that were possibly gods but it doesn't they were just so powerful that it doesn't matter mm. whether they're gods or not right they functionally <laughs> are the little bit of right. the old uh 
you know, you know, they they lived apart from the rest of humanity in giant floating cities. Mm. Just it just had a lot of fourth world influence in it. I you can almost feel the crackle coming off the the prose. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely has that kind of vibe to it. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was really neat. Thought it was uh, really stood out amongst some of the other stories that that keep everything kind of grounded within technology and and really took it out there to to some some really wild stuff right well this is like one of those stories uh where the technology is so advanced Mm -hmm. that um it's indistinguishable from magic right right when that arthur clark yeah or was that asimov it was one of those two no i think it was it was arthur clark arthur clark but no, but I mean, that's kind of how uh, Jack Kirby approached the fourth world, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the high father and they, they had, you know, they all had technology, the, the Mobius chair, it was all mother boxes, you mm-hmm. know, it was all computers and, and, and just super high tech stuff. But because it was so far advanced, it just, they were gods. Mm-hmm. It didn't, didn't matter whether they were or not. They had the technology to appear that way, and I kind of got that vibe from um, from the characters in this, especially in the end um, when they had the big, big uh, melee. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and you have all sorts of things. You had uh, shape shifting people in there. You had you had all sorts of things coming there at the end, and this is suitably epic for such a such a short tale. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, good job there, Napoleon. You crammed a lot into a little bit of space. Yeah, Napoleon, that was dynamite. All right, next up is, speaking of advanced technology and and deity, next up is Whoso Never by Carol McDonald. Who I consider a friend of the show. Friend of the show, Carol McDonald. There we go. You'll be receiving your no prize in the mail. Keep Keep looking for it. Yeah, Whoso Never receives it. Uh, it has very much an aspect of uh, Neuromancer, as in the world being controlled by uh, super, super AI. Yeah, well, Neuromancer was more that that the super AI had to be subtle. Right. And had to be behind the scenes and, and manipulate. Uh, okay, d- Skynet d- without all the killer robots. There you go. It was definitely more Skynet. Without the robots, um, uh, so you, it, it's she takes this great approach of um, it's almost an archaeological approach to uh, how technology works, where new technology is built on the ruins of old technology, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, just like you would have cities in the Middle East um, that were just built on the ruins of the previous civilization that they conquered. Right. So, yep. so you, you'd have like archaeologists go down and start digging. They come, come across seven different cities layered on top of each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, this AI was, was developed from the ashes of an old AI. Right. That was taken out in a vicious cyber attack. 
Yeah. Um, and then the world has recovered. But it also wrestles with the themes of kind of technological classism. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas most of the society, uh, and I kind of get that, you know, I, this really kind of echoed in the back of my mind while I was reading yeah, it. Yeah, because you're a fucking Luddite. Because, yeah, exactly. I, I feel a little bit like Big Mama sometime when I mention I don't have a phone. Um, everybody's like, text me, send every, me a picture. Every, like, I don't have a phone. Every time we meet up for, like, Necronomicon, he has a burner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have a burner that has, like, 15 minutes on it, and it's just because, you know, just so I could, like, if I could need to make a call for an emergency. <laughs> It's very, very true. It's like, hey, I'm on my way up. What are you calling from? I'm calling from my wife's phone. <laughs> yeah, why is Mia calling me? I don't know what the fuck you where the fuck you are. <laughs> I don't know what you did. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And and I kind of feel like Big Mama sometimes when I mention that because she too did not follow the world and upgrade to being connected to uh whoso never. Um yeah, which is the new, the internet gone sentient and controlling right, everything. The, the AI. The AI. Uh, and really, you know, these these types of stories that bring in these, like, huge AIs, these godlike AIs, are always seem to be, like you said, developed on the backbone in the ruins of old technology. And I think that might be one of the fears that people have when considering the... Uh, the Internet of Things, as it's coming to be well, known, where your refrigerator well, is connected online now. Right. Not your car. I was just reading that Ford has a patent on technology that will read billboards as you're traveling along and uh, take the contents and put them on your heads-up display in your car. Wow. Wow. So, like, now it's going to be, it's going to be like... Uh, a lot of these cyberpunk stories, this this fucking capitalist dystopia where ads are beamed directly onto your eyeglasses. Well, if you have Apple Glass, then yes. And, <laughs> and it's personalized ads. They have the algorithm and they match it up with your social right. media and they, and Ford will Light only... briefs. Right. So now your you Ford know, will be connected to your Facebook. No, I don't. But your Ford will be connected to your Facebook account, which that algorithm will interpret the billboards that it sees, and you'll get a personalized ad experience in your car as you pass by these just, like, 50-foot QR codes. Yeah, I mean, I could see that happening. Uh, but Carol, Carol's story also t- has the um, – it talks about the ability of a grassroots um, campaign mm-hmm. to actually affect – the larger, um, the, the the larger institutions out there, mm-hmm. uh, because what 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 she does um, is is you know with her her very little power, mm-hmm. like uh, none more or less, she is able to uh, to uh, influence. I guess is the best way to say it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, what what the AI actually does, and and that you know that there's there, there's a little bit of a hope there. There's a little bit in, of hope in this, in this shitty world, and and also and also some good old fashioned street justice. Yes, you know some some clever 
not necessarily violent street justice. You know, she doesn't go out and like you know gun a guy down, but you know she she does you know have that kind of code of you know the only justice is the justice that we make for ourselves, right? And uh, just so you know, if the world ever gets taken over by an evil megalomaniacal AI, find its grandma. <laughs> That's right. Probably one of the most clever uh, resolutions, and and really, it, it, it kind of put a smile on my face when that that was mentioned, and then uh, it just it just made me chuckle. I thought that was a, a great little punchline thrown in there. Actually, you know, the story itself um, is kind of scathing. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, you know, it's got like this snark to it. Yeah. Little, little bit of, little bit of salt, little bit of pepper on yeah. that. One. Yes, and uh, it's it's funny because you know you interact, you talk to Carol, you interact with Carol, and she is the nicest woman in the world. <laughs> and and I read the story, and I read a few of her her works, and I'm reading the story, going, "What the? Who wrote this?" <laughs> and yeah, it was Carol. Everybody, everybody has a little bit of salt. I mean, you know, especially, yeah. especially nowadays. That's true. That's true. And and it's it's funny because this this anthology was published um, this year, twenty twenty, and so you figure most of the stories were probably uh, yo yo or twenty twenty one. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but well, most of the stories were probably written in twenty twenty mm-hmm. and submitted in twenty twenty, and then there's definitely a lot of. Um, some blatant, some not so blatant swipes at uh, the situation in 2020 vis-a-vis the president and the um, the disease that ravaged the world. And COVID, too. <laughs> That's right, folks. Everything is on the one. All right. So next up on the list is The Walker's Alchemist by T.C. Morgan. Uh Another story that that really firmly blends science fiction and fantasy to the science fantasy genre. Um, yes, I there, there there was a couple of parts where I I was going, you know, I should read Full Metal again. Mm-hmm. Definitely, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I haven't read a whole lot of Full Metal Metal Alchemist or seen the show, but I was get definitely getting some of those vibes. Uh, there definitely it. was some Full Metal Alchemist influence happening in here, which is great because that is one of my all-time favorite manga. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, definitely, this one has it focuses really hard on on the character development and in this kind of uh, almost like journal entry type of thing, you know, like day one, you know. Kind of, you know, Robinson Crusoe science fiction kind of thing where this alchemist is woken up in a different body and, you know, the person who does it, it, it's just, we're trying not to spoil things because we want you to buy this book and and read it. Right, but the story does does tackle gender issues, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and and, uh, identity. A lot of these stories really deal with identity. And uh, what it means to be human, what it means to be you, right? And uh, this one really it takes that bull by the horns mm. and wrestles with it. Um, my only complaint about this story 
once again, is it seems incomplete to me. Um, it takes it up to a point where I'm just, I'm in, I'm all in on the story and then it ends and I don't, and it, there's more to happen. Right. In, in the story. It, it just felt again, like an introduction to, to something larger. Mm-hmm. And, and I hope it is. I, I hope all three of these stories that I've said that about, I, I, I want more and I, I'd read more. You'll get a message going, Hey, guess what, Steve? We're, we're, it's, Facebook, it's going to be Facebook a is going to make sure that you know when I'm driving around in my in my truck that I'm going to see that there's more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Uh, you know, remember this happened way back in Key Conga with uh, the Benny with uh, Milton's Benny's daughter. That's true. Started out as a as a short story and ended up becoming a full fledged novel out of that. So that is yeah, true. there's several stories in the in the anthology. Um, that yeah we're we're kind of like left without that uh resolution like they were the prologues to much larger things or something at least serialized in further further collections or or possibly even novels or single character books or something like that mm-hmm. later on down the road and the walker's alchemist definitely one of those uh so yeah right. if if morgan tc if you're if you're watching uh let's Let's see Listening. it. If you got it, let's see it. Yeah, put up. Shut up. All right. Uh, next up put is... Up the funk, you punk. Wow. Steve just threw down the gauntlet. No, I just quoted George Clinton. <laughs> next up on the list is Tony Five by Violet, Violet Meyer. Uh I read the title originally as Tony V. And then, hey, Tony V. Tony V, he's got what you need. You know, you need a sandwich, you need a car, you need a gun. Tony V, he's your guy. But uh, then I got into the first uh, first sentence of the first paragraph, and I was like, oh, it's five. All right. <laughs> And and this one also has that that theme of you know what it means to um, where uh, a, our protagonist uh, a, a lady um, has been purchasing upgraded robotic duplicates of her deceased husband, and right. each time they get more and more advanced, but it's just like it's not the same, it's not the same, it's not the same. Um, but you know through this kind of like. Uh, exploration of emotional attachment and and loneliness and and what it means to be human. Uh, we also get this little tinge of the supernatural going on. Yeah, it's almost like a like a a, a study as opposed to a story. It's almost like a study of uh, this this relationship between uh, the woman and her deceased. Uh, significant other mm-hmm. um, it, 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 to the point where it's almost uh, poetry mm-hmm. it, and not, not that there's anything like prosy po- poetic about it, but um, that's just the kind of vibe that it evokes um, because it, it's not um, something that has too, too terribly, there's not really a plot 
per se. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the interaction, the relationship between this woman and the memory of her husband. Mm-hmm. Yep, very, very strong emotional tie here, and yeah. and quite a good story. Quite a good story. It uh, packs a lot of punch for for. So I I do think that if it were about a uh, a mafioso. The line, I kissed Tony V's still lips and whispered the poem into his mouth would be great. <laughs> That's a pretty good poem you got there. <laughs> Tony V likes it. Tony V. Tony V. That's uh, the next modern era game we play or cyberpunk or whatever. Tony V. That's my character. Tony V. Tony V. Okay. Got what you need. All right. Next up is Twisted Analog by Ashley Davenport. Uh, this one is all, this is a very interesting little tale. Uh, has a Speaking bit of, of a, Tony V. Tony V. And, and, and some, uh, some gangsters and stuff. It's got yeah, a yeah Tony V is right here. I got you Tony V hanging with Roman. Roman. Of the Knox clan. Roman of the Knox clan. Tony V's coming to get you. We're going to, we're going to duke it out on the field of honor with our robot champions. That's right. God damn, you don't watch Futurama. You will lose because you lack the will of a warrior. And you're a woman. Women lack the will of a warrior. Uh-oh. Yeah, but it's no fun because you don't watch Futurama. That's right. That's right. You need to remedy that. Nothing. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so we've got our rock and sock and robots. Mm-hmm. We've got our gangsters. You got your uh, down on her luck uh, technological wizard, um, who apparently is is needs to make a big score to pay her tuition, uh, because. So where's the fiction in this yet? <laughs> that's the thing about science fiction is it's based in reality, good chunk of it. Uh, yeah, I mean you know a lot of a lot of relatable stuff going on here. Uh, you know, you got to do what's necessary to to survive, and uh, we get a little bit of a twist there at the end because this story did not go where I thought it was going to. You know, and no, no, it did not. It did not go where I thought it was going to go. Um, I really thought that uh, the chip was gonna. It was gonna be like a Ingram personality Ingram chip of the dead boyfriend. In the robot, but that's Actually not the case. That too. So mm-hmm. that's like a negative spoiler because, like, it does lead you lead you down the primrose path, mm-hmm. and then whisks that fantasy away. Yep, sure does, sure does. And 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 what we're what we're left with is, you know, a, a good old fashioned revenge tale, of almost kind of like a. I believe there was a horror story that was similar, you know, but it's got kind of that uh, monkey's paw kind of thing going on where, where this, you know, elaborate plot for vengeance is unfolding unbeknownst to anybody involved. Right. I don't see, I don't think it's monkey's paw, but that's not the monkey's paw at all. That's, that's be careful what you wish for. Yes. But but there's another but horror story. Comes back as a zombie. Yeah, because you collected on his and- right. 
you know, it's got it's got kind of like a Twilight Zone, maybe Black Mirror or something it, like that. Yes, it, it definitely has that Richard Matheson feel mm-hmm. to it, where you can you can devote a half hour watching this episode of. The- Absolutely. Actually, actually, there was an episode of the Twilight Zone that was superficially very much like it, where they had robot fighters. Mm-hmm. That because I just watched it. Because you <laughs> like, just watched not it. too recently. Not too, you know, not too recently. A couple of weeks ago, I watched it, and yeah, they they like had a whole you know robot fighting ring set up, and they had to repair uh, this this out of date ro- automated robot to mm-hmm. uh, um, to fight. It was like trainers down on their luck kind of thing. This is a little bit more sophisticated than that, but that was written and aired in the what the late fifties, early sixties. And this is 2021, as you reminded me earlier, not so. Correct, correct. You expect it to be a little bit more sophisticated. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was kind of, you know, talking about you know misdirections and misconceptions. I there was a point there where I thought, oh, this is going to be kind of like Real Steel, which just so happens to be the greatest boxing movie ever. Is that the Rock'em Sock'em Robot? That's movie the that yeah, came the out? one with Hugh Jackman and. Uh, Giant robots punching each other in the head. That was literally Rock'em Sock'em Robots in the movie. Yes. And it was awesome. And I yeah, I definitely got that vibe during uh, part of the, the, the early pre-climax of, of, of this story. A uh, lot of good robot smashing action going on here. So, if that's your thing. If that's your thing. If that's you. your thing, Tony V got you. He got you. You got your rock'em sock'em robots head right there. Ladies and gentlemen, the Knox clan and the Reaper clan going at it for world, for for dominance, bragging rights. So next we have the story that for some reason had been plaguing my Facebook feed for like a year. That's right. It's playing the odds. By some guy named Milton Davis. I have no idea who he is. Uh, you know, but for some reason, yeah, I keep hearing about this. This story, uh, the the forthcoming animation that's in development. Just all sorts of things about playing the odds. Uh, I believe he released this story as a standalone novella as well. As well as including it in the Cyberpunk Anthology. So a little bit of marketing genius. And this story is straight up cyberpunk. Yeah. 100%. The main character is basically uh, Cyborg from the Teen Titans. Yeah, pretty much. Kind of. Corporate Cyborg. A voluntary Cyborg, if you will. Booyah! There. He does not say booyah. He He should in the special edition, Milton. If Carlos Magia does not say booyah at least once as an Easter egg, I will be very... Do it for Rodney. Do it for little Rodney lying in his sickbed. That's right. That's right. This would be your version of of calling, of saying you're going to hit a home run for him. Do it for my poor melanin deficient ass. Yeah, so this story is... This story is definitely cyberpunk. Straight, just top to bottom. Cyberpunk. Uh, I mean, classic 
cyberpunk. Yeah, I mean it's it's film. It's got that noir feel to it. Uh, there is, you know, people are decked out with technology. Uh, there is a certain amount of of a corporate um, influence on culture beyond what we have today. So it's a little little fascism in that society. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and the sun the, the, might the, be shining in the ATL as opposed to in Seattle, but still, I mean, it's very much a, a kind of a neon nightmare kind of city. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we have we have all the classic characters there. We have the grizzled, uh, you know, private eye who's booyah, yeah, who's he's all cybered out. Um, I do like the way that uh, he has. You know, he has all of his integrated weapons, but every once in a while, he just likes to get down and does it the old-fashioned way. Right. Pulls out he's, his he's, pulls out his SIG and just starts blasting. Shield yeah, he's, that! He's more or less uh, owned uh, by various corporations who, who helped him uh, with his implants. So it's it's the equivalent of having uh, Valvoline on, on your racing. Yep. Yep, and you know, there's all sorts of like, like you said, dir- dirty corporate intrigue and stuff like that, and you know, we don't want to spoil too much of it. Uh, backstabbing, backstabbing. Uh, there's some double cross. You got your femme fatale, you know, who's more than definitely more than she lets on. You know that that sort of thing. There's action. There's adventure. There's chases. There's mystery. It's it. They they got it all. Yeah, it it's one of the other stories. It jumps out as being representative the cyberpunk genre and does it yes, without it's, it's also without parodying itself and without you know coming across directly homage direct homage yeah what, yeah and it's it's fairly long mm-hmm. uh, so it has room to breathe yeah. with some of these stories don't have mm-hmm. some of the like some of the shorter stories just don't have that room to develop and breathe this one definitely does, and and by the time you reach the end of it, you feel satisfied. Right, uh, you've read a, a you know a a, a story yeah, that, it, that goes somewhere and and does something. Yeah, it um, definitely is uh, very self encapsulated. Even though you know the first adventure and a thing, right? You 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 feel you know the world that. Um, that that Carlos inhabits feels like it's lived in used future. <laughs> I believe they. Yes. Sorry, it's been a long day. Sorry, as long as that's not continued. I hope not. So yeah, definitely check that one out. And finally, hatched our good friend Nicole Gibbons' curse. That's right, hatched a Sybil Lewis. Now. I have to say that while I was reading, I was taking a couple of breathers because it is also one of the books. This is a this is a long story, and uh, this is not the first Sybil Lewis story that I've read, nor will it be the last. Hopefully, now um, I will say that uh, through while I was reading, you know, taking the periodic uh, breather, uh, just because we did plow through it and go because oh, sometimes you have to pause and like absorb what you just read. Uh, there was a post on the icons game forum that was talking about just, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> and, and definitely, you know, 
Sybil has that kind of Jessica Jones attitude about her. Uh, she's tough. She's street smart. Willing she's isolated. To, isolated. Willing to get her hands dirty. She's broken. You know, she's she's all distant. she's the quintessential private eye. Yep. In in a high tech world, and this one has a lot of uh, cyberpunk element that is more biotech. It takes the, the, the singularity and the emerging of we have mastered and, and kind of right. going toward the direction of like Blade Runner. Right. Well, so what, what you have is these um, class of humans, I guess you would call it, mm-hmm. who are the hatched. Um, they're bioengineered. They've taken anonymous donors and uh, cooked up these children basically in a lab. Um, they're not clones; they're individuals, but they're they're what you would call a test tube baby, more or less. Right. Um, and they, they were created full term uh, test tube babies. Yes, they were created to form an army mm-hmm. of genetically superior human beings, and that fell through. Right. So you have this entire range of, of people who are basically second-class citizens. And like any good dystopia, they are marked with a double helix tattoo on their neck because why wouldn't you? Right. Right. And uh, one of these hatched um, comes to Sybil Lewis to find out who her biological parents are. And a lot of the story is that detective work. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of it wrestles with the question of why the fuck would you want to know that? Right, right. It Really, I, what is identity? It, it deals a right. lot with identity and is, you know, although it's a great story, it ponders some heavy philosophical issues, takes shots at prejudice, uh, but it, it, it does get a little heavy-handed with the notion of identity. Um, but it's it's... it's it makes arguments that, um, yeah, so, uh, like like our, our our the client's rationale, right, is never fully explained. Right, it's it's very. Um, I thought vague. that would be part. I thought that would be part of the big reveal at the end, mm-hmm. like that, like there'd be a twist or something. Right. Um. But but to me, this hit home really hard because I am of the firm belief that what your ancestors who they were, what they did, where they came from, doesn't matter because you're here now. Mm. Um, so I, I don't, you know, I never had any interest in, in finding out what my genetic material was, where my people came from. I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. And I haven't. Um, and maybe that's like part of that is white privilege. Mm. Um, it's possible because I don't have to. It doesn't come up unless um, somebody like, unless the Jewish thing comes up and maybe that's it. But I, I really, I, I, I try to live my life as myself and I try to take people as themselves. Mm-hmm. If you, if that makes any sense. So I, I felt for, um, you know, Sybil Lewis's arguments. Right. Um, Cause she, she was, definitely, I mean, she was preaching. And, and the, uh, the, me. the hatched cop as well. Right. Because right. he so actually, uh, makes the arguments that you just made throughout the story um, 
And Sybil is kind of like there in the middle, you know, because she did come from a normal standard, you know, human. I had a mother, I had a father, they were my biological mother, biological father, you know, but it also, it also kind of is the, uh, you know, the struggle, I think some adopted children, because you have one, a second class of citizens that are made from these, uh, from this disparate genetic material, um, and they were also adopted. Right. And no, no. And, and that's definitely an argument. Um, I have my, my cousins were adopted mm-hmm. and uh, my aunt and uncle, you know, they were family. They were their kids. Right. Right. But I know that doesn't always happen. Right. Uh, that, you know, I, I don't know if you ever follow the pet scop um, thing that was going on YouTube for a while, but I mean, there's definitely cases where uh, people are adopted uh, um, and then unwanted mm-hmm. or treated like pets instead of kids. Right. Um, and yeah. And so you're, you're definitely right. There is, there can be um, an issue with adopted children, and, but, but once again, it depends on the, on, you know, the kids, it depends on the parents, how, you know, what the relationship was like, how they were treated. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are an awful lot of um, superficial uh, people out there who, who do things for the, do the right thing for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're adopting a kid, you know, those reasons kind of have to be right too, or that kid's going to just pay the price. Now, now you mentioned about, you know, I was the opposite of you. I did do God Speaking of getting ads on your goddamn truck when you're driving by. Um, You know, and I did, I submitted them to one particular site that, that actually matches it up with archaeological data, which is infinitely more interesting to me than, than just, uh, oh, you're, you're Irish. (laughs) You're Irish. And then there was, there's ruins. Somewhere in Ireland. Right, right. It's like, uh, no, you have a a five genetic distance from this gladiator that was buried in York. <laughs> Woo! Like, well, who was that person? <laughs> I have a one genetic distance from a uh, immunochemist who invented the pregnancy test. There you go. <laughs> but you know who that person was. I sure should do you know, but you know, I want to know was was this person a winner? <laughs> no, he was buried in a mask. You know, why did they take his head off? Was, was, you know, did he try some Spartacus shit and got beheaded? Was it was it Bran Mockmorn? Exactly. No, we know that's not true. Yeah, no, sort no of picks. No, no picks in your in your genetic background there. Uh, nope, none, none. A lot of Celts. A lot of Vikings, of course. Everybody has a lot of Vikings. Not me. Well. I guarantee I have no Viking. No Vikings. I guarantee that. It's all like Middle East, far Middle Eastern, like Jewish people. Like all the way down. Some of whom might have been cousins, brothers and sisters, but eh, the villages were small. It was the Bronze Age. <laughs> Not quite the Bronze Age, unless you consider the late 19th, early 20th century the Bronze Age. Back to the story. 
<laughs> I guess that would be like the golden age of comic books. Oh, the golden age. Mm. All right, back to anyway. back to the story. The, much of the story actually does rely on Sybil uh, working through the ramifications because to perform this task, she does have to bend the rules, and that's one of the reasons why she was hired. Because eh, what the fuck? She's willing to anyway? bend the rules, right? She's willing to bend the rules, um, just like Jessica Jones, right? But um, yeah, this is something that's supposed to be secret, very personal type of thing, and. You know, it's supposed to be anonymous. Right, anonymous. And so, you know, what are you going to violate these people's privacy, the, the address of a sperm donor? Right, and the cool thing about the story is, is we are going to kind of spoil it. They never actually, re- the parents are, fun. they kind of like, they, in that in that uh, classic detective story, noir tradition, it's like, here's your envelope I didn't look in. Right thing. So, yep. Uh, I'll talk a lot when we do anthology about the first story and the last story. Um, you know, the first story of this anthology knocks it out of the park. It brings us into a, a world of uh, high technology uh, struggles of identity. Uh, what it means to be ends on the very same note. We are kind of pushed back out of the world of cyberpunk at the end of the. Sybil's office door. And then you have to wait till next year to watch uh, Luke Cage. Yes. So there it is, ladies and gentlemen, the final nine. Um, we do apologize if we didn't seem to spend much time on any one particular story over another story. Uh, we were trying to be as spoiler free as possible. And uh, you know, so therefore we could like dig deep. And- right. But all in all, Cyberfunk. Excellent fucking anthology. Run yeah. out, grab it. Link in the description. And it's it's fairly easy to get. You can get it directly from MV Media, which you should. You can get it from Apple. You can get it from Amazon. Mm-mm. So you know whatever your preferred method of uh, getting book, getting and gathering books is, it's it's available to you. That's right. We. I think I can speak for when I say we recommend getting it directly through MV Media. You can get it as an EPUB. You can get it as a physical copy. Um, and- yes, and a lot of times when you get it from directly from MV Media, you get it signed by Milton. Not this time, but often. Oh, yeah? It's probably because I pre-ordered it. Check that out, bitch! Damn. It's probably because I pre-ordered it. Eh, probably. It was already out when I ordered it. Plus, I asked. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. I don't presume upon um, authors like that. I just annoyingly ask them. Uh, well, see, the thing is... Complain about authors. Right. <laughs> right. I had, I had actually asked only for uh, Key Conga to be signed. Because I was featuring uh. this uh, full-length back matter here by uh, some guy named Steve. Yeah. <laughs> That's embarrassing. But yeah, definitely Cyberpunk, or Cyberfunk. Check it out. Cyberfunk. Cyberfunk. Get it, That's read right. it, love it, read it again, wear it out, buy Get another the rhythm copy. of the stroke. And keep 30 left. That's right.